0: Is there faith without works? The simple truth is, says Pastor Xavier Rees, we were created to perform good works.
1: Be careful to maintain good works, Titus 3.8 says. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's workmanship, His handiwork created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That we created before the foundation of the world that we might walk in them. Paul tells the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourself and see if you are in the faith.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When it comes to understanding the relevance of good works as an evidence of true faith in Christ, Pastor Xavier explains that to be a possessor of faith rather than a mere professor of faith, you just can't have one without the other. And as we'll see in the conclusion of a study drawn from the Epistle of James today, The simple truth is, faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. If your Bible is handy, why not read along in our text from James chapter 2, beginning with verse 14.
1: What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus, also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so, in this opening section, James deals with faith without works. Notice the opening argument is this If someone says he has faith but does not have works, verse 14. It isn't something that James is teaching. It is something that somebody is saying. Something that somebody is saying that doesn't line up with Scripture. And so he's correcting a wrong statement. Now the statement, as I said, is mere profession without evidence of possession of genuine saving faith. But secondly... The question, can faith save him, gives emphasis to the kind of faith in verse 14 that doesn't have works not being genuine faith. It's, can this kind of faith save a man? Now, is he talking about being saved? No. He addresses them, brethren, they're already saved. He is saying, if this kind of faith that only professes, can it save a man? Is he truly saved? Before he gives us the answer, he wants the readers to come to the conclusion all on their own by the obvious reasoning through Scripture. And so the illustration... In verse 15 and 16, a brother or sister is naked. They're destitute of daily food. And one of you say to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled. But you don't give them the things that are needed for the body. We can all identify with that. First, the need is of the most basic things of life. Clothes and food. The reference to naked does not mean that the individual has no clothes but it means that they are ill-clothed. Their clothes are tattered, torn. They're destitute. Secondly, the response is mere lip service. As a professor of faith, and I'm not talking about a professor in the university, mere lip service, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't give to them the things that are needed for the body. You see, anything that is mere professing without any action is no good at all. It's really made void by the emptiness of any evidence. It's dangerous to possess knowledge and knowledge alone. That does not do anything to me. Then he goes on to talk about faith separate from works verses 18 through 20. But some will say, You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons or devils believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? The objecting argument opens up, hear it, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. They have just listened to the argument James has presented, the opening argument, and someone listening says, yeah, but listen, God has given me faith and He's giving you works. The statement implies that some possess faith while others possess works at the direct hand of God as if they are differing gifts. Not so. Never will you find that in Scripture. You do find that there is the gift of faith. But in the context that James is speaking about, he says you cannot separate faith and works. They go hand in hand. Faith cannot exist without works. And works cannot take place apart from faith. And so what he's contrasting here is the two faiths. Faith of one who professes and faith that saves the one possesses. There's the contrast. Now the rebuttal to the argument is shown to us in the very same verse, 18. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, the statement implies that faith without works is evidence of faith that doesn't save. Any mere profession without works or to try to separate from works is mere profession. It doesn't save. It just doesn't save. But secondly, the statement implies that faith that has worked is faith that has, past tense, saved. Any one of us, if we really try hard enough, we can take a book and we can memorize all the parts of an engine, a car engine. And someone will come up to you and say, what is this? It's manifold. What's this carburetor? What's this vacuum? What's this? You know, and you'd, you'd rattle it off. But that doesn't mean that you know the intricate interrelationship of the parts and that you can fix anything that would break that's what he is saying here many have memorized knowledge and information about Christianity but they do not possess the faith that gives illumination and understanding therefore it's not saving faith faith separate from works as the religion of demons that neither has saved nor changes a person's life. I'm afraid many people who are in church this morning are practicing the religion of demons that changes nothing. Not the person, not the response to their commitment to Christ in the church. And so James has struck the second blow. For the third and last verses 21 through 26. He deals with faith and works. Notice that he works from the negative, from the lie, from what's being professed. He ends up with what is biblical, scriptural, applicable to our lives. He says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith has, was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? The scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise was Rahab the hearted also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. The argument is judged by the scriptures. First, by the witness of Abraham, who is called, listen, the father of faith. And so in verse 21, he takes Abraham, and he uses him as the first witness. You might think of this passage that we're studying as a a court scene. Now in verse 21 he says that Abraham verified his faith by worse when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar. He's referring to Genesis 22. Now, James is talking about a long period of time after Abraham has already accepted God as his God. He was 75 when he gave he to the call he was close to a hundred when his son was born when he offered Isaac up Isaac could have been in his late teens even his late 20s some even believe his early 30s so it was a long time after he had already accepted God so let's be perfectly clear that James is not talking about salvation he's talking after the fact of salvation Secondly, Abraham's faith was working together with works, and by works, faith was made complete. The word perfect means complete. Is James teaching that my faith is completed because it's lacking something? No. What he's saying is a complement. Even as with an egg, you have a shell and you have a yoke. Even as you have a lock, you have a key. They complement one another. And third of all, Abraham's saving faith that trusted God apart from works was authenticated and proved to be genuine. Look at verse 22. Do you see... That faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect. Look at verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Now in verse twenty one he quotes Genesis twenty two. Years after the fact that he's already accepted the Lord. Now in verse 23, he quotes Genesis 15, 6, when he accepted the Lord by faith, apart from works. And what he's saying in verse 22 is, you see that faith working together with works, and by works faith was made complete. In other words, once you come to faith in Christ, then God has works for you and myself to walk in, which will complement the totality of our salvation. And the evidence that he offered his son up on the altar was evidence that the faith back in Genesis 15, 6, where he says in verse 23, was genuine. It was saving faith because works followed. Turn back to the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 17 and 19. He says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he... He who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, "In Isaac your seed shall be called." Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received them in a figurative sense. Abraham had no problems. He had believed God years ago, and he knew that, if need be, God would raise Isaac from the dead. His faith was alive. His faith was saving faith. It wasn't mere professing faith. And in a figurative way, in a figure type, he said that Isaac would be a type of Christ. For in Mount Moriah, when he offered him, Isaac said, Father, here's the fire, here's the wood, but where is the sacrifice? And he said, Son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. 2,000 years later, on the very same mountain, up a little higher, there hung Jesus Christ on Calvary. In a figure. Both the resurrection and the offering to come. Kind of wiped him out. And that's why Abraham is called a friend of God. The argument is judged by the scriptures again through a second Witness. The witness of Rahab the harlot, a Gentile. Both of these are from their own history. Now many have tried to soften the word harlot in the Old Testament saying that it can mean also an innkeeper. But the New Testament word is very specific. It says that she was a harlot. She was a prostitute. Interesting. She got into the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Read it in Matthew chapter 1. Did not, Jesus say, harlots and sinners and tax collectors will enter the kingdom of God before you religious people? They must have really blown their mind at Jesus. You know that? I mean, everything was flowing just fine. and, And here's, you know, the monkey wrench. It's messing everything up. Verse 25, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? The reference is Joshua chapter 2 and 6. First, notice, Rahab received the messengers. Secondly, Rahab responded by sending them out another way. They came to spy out the land. She heard about the mighty works of God. She confessed it to them. She put her faith, her trust in God Jehovah. She responded. One, she agreed to tie a red cord out her window so that they could mark the place of her home when they took the city. Second, she agreed that her and all her family would stay inside so that none of the men of Israel would kill them. You see, she trusted. She obeyed. She responded. That faith was saving faith, which was followed by works, evidence, genuine faith. But you know what the greatest miracle of Rahab the harlot in her house is? Not that God accepted her. Read where her house was. It was right on the wall. What did the scripture says? The walls of Jericho fell down. Her house didn't. What did Jesus say? I will liken that man who hears my words but does not do. And he will be like the man who builds his house on sand. And when those storms and the floods come, they'll be washed away. But the one who hears my word and does my word, I will liken him unto one who builds his house on the rock. And when the storms come and the difficulties, it'll stand. The final conclusion is inescapable once again. Verse 24 and 26. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so life without works is dead also. First, a man is justified by works and not by a mere profession of faith only. If you are only saying you're a Christian but there is no works to give evidence to you being a Christian then you're not a Christian. You only think you are and you only say you are. Secondly, as breath is evidence of a living body so works are evidence of saving faith. If there's no breath coming from the nostrils put a mirror up against there. There's no life in that body. Thirdly, a faith without works, listen to this, this is the third time he says it, is useless, dead. It doesn't profit you. It doesn't profit anyone else. Martin Luther made a pact with one of the, his um, monk friends. And Martin Luther says, listen, I will go out to the world and I will fight Faith alone, but you must need stay in the monastery and pray for me. Faith and works. One day the monk was praying. And as he was praying, he saw the harvest and he saw a man out there toiling, exhausted. And he saw that it was just too much for him. And he kept praying the harder when all of a sudden the man and as he was seeing him turned around and he saw it was the faith of Martin Luther. Immediately that monk got up on his feet and he knew that he had to go help him. You know, some of us, all we do is pray and we do nothing. And we do nothing. And we think we escape our responsibility. We do not. We do not. We're called to maintain good works, Titus 3, eight says. Be careful to maintain good works. Ephesians two 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship, His handiwork, created in Christ Jesus unto good works that were created before the foundation of the world that we might walk in them. Paul tells the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself and see if you are in the faith. You can walk out of here and you will know whether you're a Christian after the sermon. You don't have to ask me. You will know whether you're a Christian or not. You know whether you are just professing or whether you possess saving faith. You cannot be mistaken. John the Baptist told the religious rulers of the day, "Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Don't just be satisfied in saying, "We have Abraham as our Father, for God is able to raise up children unto Abraham even of these stones." Don't be satisfied saying, "Well, I go to Bible studies." I'm involved, I give, and all that's fine, but do you have saving faith? Did not Jesus say, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, that you should bring forth or bear forth much fruit, and that your fruit should remain? Challenging, isn't it? Kind of embarrassing at the same time. James is not contradicting Paul, and Paul is not contradicting James. They're a beautiful complement, even as a lock and a key, as a man and a woman, they go together. One day, a minister was out in the street and he was talking to this individual, and in the process of the conversation, he says, "Uh, Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? He says, Oh, yes. He says, Well, Have you joined yourself to a church? He says, oh, no. The thief on the cross never did, and he went to heaven. He says, have you ever been baptized in the church? He says, oh, no. The thief on the cross never was, and he went to heaven. He's getting upset. He says, have you ever partaken of the Lord's table? He says, oh, no. The thief on the cross never did, and he went to heaven. This guy just had it. He asked one more thing. He said, "Have you ever supported the church financially?" He says, "Oh no." The thief on the cross never did, and he went to heaven. The pastor turned around. And he finally says, "Well, I guess about the only thing that you have in difference with the thief on the cross is that he was a lying thief, and you're a living thief." I'm afraid there are a lot of living thieves in the church of Jesus Christ today. It's heavy. Real heavy. May God give us wisdom, understanding, beyond just profession, but that we understand what the Word is teaching us, that we be doers of the Word, that we can examine ourselves, and that we have that saving faith that is not only yielding to, but yearning the works of God to be manifested in my life.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing our time in James chapter 2 today to a close by challenging our faith to be more than hearers, but doers of the word. Now, let me take these last moments to mention that copies of today's Simple Truth study titled What About Faith and Works, are available, as always, on CD for just $4. And by the way, we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply, What About Faith and Works? Or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com